Are you a Star Wars guy? No. I mean, I saw the original Star Wars, the, the original three. Never seen one since. There is no Star Wars reference that you think is valid of repeating or anything like that? Luke, I'm your father. But other than that, and mainly that's from Tommy Boy. You can't have too many Chris Farley movies. They're all good. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. And that was Michael Vinsky, as always, reading the intro. Thanks again, Michael. Learn a little bit more about everything that he does over at michaelvinsky.com. Welcome, one and all, to episode 62. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I'm Reed Smith. On the other side of the microphone is Chris Boyer. How's it going? Pretty good, Reed. Welcome to the show today. Yeah, excited to get started. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, not only our show is getting started, just as a quick aside, many of you heard a couple of weeks ago John Mason on the show talking about his new and upcoming podcast, and that is now launched and is live. So you can find that over at touchpoint.health. You can find his show, our show, couple of other things that we've done. And I would say over the next few weeks, uh, stay tuned. There may be a few more pop up. So a really great show, though, on health information technology. That's a really cool one. So I think that's going to be neat. It's going to be a lot of conversations he's having mm-hmm. with industry leaders. Take a listen. Yeah. Let us know what you think. It's kind of a nice corollary to our podcast, right? Yeah. So go check out episode one. It's up and live right now. He has a conversation with Mike Blom, who is a CIO of a large healthcare system here in Texas. Uh, some interesting interesting thoughts around what is a connected hospital and what does that mean. It's our commitment to you as from Touchpoint Media that we're going to be providing you more and more content to really keep you guys informed and give you all the information that you need so you don't have any unanswered questions. That's right. And plus it gives me uh, some stuff to listen to to make me sound smart. Um, hey, real quick, let's thank one of our sponsors, Loyal. For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze. A bewildering choices and unanswered questions. They want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make a better decision and a decision with confidence. And Loyal Health has an empower solution that gives you the tools to do just that. Just as the name says, right? Empower allows the patient to be empowered and provides a solution by maximizing star ratings and also introducing deeper insights into what patients are really saying about their experience. You could sort, approve, publish patient reviews of physician services and practices using some intelligent features like auto-approval and syntax highlighting and all the other great technical stuff that you need when you're doing that. Right, Reed? That's right. So to learn a little bit more about Loyal and everything that they do and all that they have to offer, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. Loyalhealth.com. So today, Reed, we're going to be talking about vendors... Partners, Uh-oh. agencies, agencies of records, mm-hmm. all of those things. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I am one. Actually, I'm, I'm probably following all those categories to different folks. Let's take a step back here and think about, at least in my mind, kind of how as I, as I view, as I was at a hospital at one point in time and obviously work in this space, I see partners that a hospital works with falling in a couple of different categories. You have a vendor. And so that could be everywhere from like uh, you buy your trinkets for the health fair, t-shirts for the 5K, could be a local print shop. They're providing maybe not a tangible item, but that's maybe the best way I can describe it. You're buying a thing from them. So it could be hardware. It could be where you buy your computers from. It's not just hardware though, right? In the in the digital space, it's software. Sure. They can provide some kind of software solution or even like a service, like, you know, an SEO vendor, a person that could provide you search engine optimization. They provide you something, something very, yep. very specific, almost even tactical, I might even say. Probably the SEO vendor would probably bleed into this category, maybe even more than a little bit, but you would have a consultancy. So you're not buying an item from them. You're buying experience, knowledge, guidance, education, thought leadership. So you're not actually getting a thing 
from them. Well, I mean, you are getting a thing from them, but not <laughs> not a tangible or tactical item. There's some consultancies uh, you don't get things from, though, Reed. But yeah, consultancy really you rely on their expertise uh, to provide you some guidance through maybe a particular business challenge. Maybe you're looking to uh, transform your organization. I, I was a digital consultant, and what I did is help organizations, hospitals become digital first, and so provided right. my expertise in a variety of different ways, but really a lot of the the outcomes of what I was providing them was information that's informed based on experience or based on market trends, that sort of thing. The consultancy piece, I guess what makes that really different is, you know, vendors, and I want to be careful with this a little bit, and we'll come back and kind of talk about, you know, some overlap between this. You know, vendors are taking an order from you that you place and returning, you know, what you ordered. So a media buying company may fall into the vendor category. Like you show up and say, I'd like to buy this thing. They give you that in return. A consultancy is more telling you what media to buy. They're not buying the actual media. And then an agency, I think, in my mind at least, kind of pulls that together into one place. So they have the thought leadership. They have the consultancy piece but they also have the execution. They can tell you how to build a website and then turn around and build the website. So an agency typically kind of builds itself up around particular areas where their consultancy expertise applies. So you could be a digital agency where you do things like build websites and maybe do paid advertising strategies. But not only are you providing that guidance, you're then helping with the execution. And you may or may not be a vendor, right? You, You may actually provide the expertise, the guidance, the strategies, and you work with vendors that are hardware, software vendors to help execute that strategy. Is that getting confusing enough for you? No, I mean, I think that's fair. And then I think you do have some overlap, right? Because I think we've seen vendors that have added the consultancy layer. Now, it's not something they necessarily charge for. You know, you're in the business of a renewal. You need the person to renew typically 12 months from now. They have found that they need to make sure those folks are successful, I guess, with that product. Or that renewal time comes around, they're like, eh, you know, I can't really determine that this was all that helpful, so I think we'll hold off this year. You know, well, that's the, that you don't want to have that conversation, right? Uh, we've seen more and more vendors add the consultative layer. Some of them charge for that. Some of them don't charge for that. Agency's a little more kind of in the middle and a little more like unbiased, I guess. They're taking and building and creating and consulting, but they don't have a product that they're repping like a vendor would. Well, some agencies actually do have products and their products may be a bundling of services. It may be a bundling of services with a technology or a hardware or some kind of solution. So that's where it gets really complicated because there are vendors that actually now partner with other agencies or consultancies and provide a variety, a myriad of services. And what's interesting about this all, Reed, is that vendors now offer consultative and even agency-like capabilities in order to help actually reinforce their core product, which is whatever that thing that they're selling is. Agencies are partnering with vendors and consultancies in order to make their agency expertise that much more effective. And consultancies are partnering with vendors and agencies in order to make their consultancy more strong. It's like this kind of weird relationship, and it's getting really blurry. There's always room at the top. If you have a better widget, you can probably be a vendor, right? In that space, like you can win out. You know, if you're smarter than everybody else, then there's a good chance you're going to get paid a lot of money to be a consultant. And you, and you can make that work. It's not that there's right, there's necessarily a right or wrong way to do this. You know, when we're talking about hospitals and, and how this is used, and we'll get more into this, but I think it really depends on your culture and how your team is equipped, uh, history, uh, also where you're headed, uh, of what you need and what you can use, right? Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. Having been in 
a hospital. I'm currently in a hospital right now. Uh, been part of an agency and also been a consultancy. I found that you know at different points in time you need different types of expertise. So for example, if you're trying to evolve your team and you're not really sure where your future state is, that might be you know like a consultancy where they can kind of help you through that change. But if you're looking for, if you have a team of people that are really good at something, you're just looking for that better website technology or you're looking for you know uh, whatever that better widget is or you're looking to execute on something you're going to pull in a vendor to kind of help you with that whatever that widget that hardware that software whatever that service is and then a lot of times if you're trying to address a, a particular business case you might pull in an agency like a branding agency or a marketing agency right. or a digital marketing agency i think some of it is have you taken the opportunity to understand what your team needs. Because a lot of this, quite honestly, is in the absence of having it in-house. Theoretically, you could go hire all the people uh, that you need to accomplish anything that you would hire a vendor agency or consultancy for. Probably just not cost-effective or, or really makes a whole lot of sense. Because some of it you only need for a short term. So you don't want to go hire this person. And then it's like, well, what are they going to do when they get done with this project? So it makes more sense to hire somebody or buy a product or whatever. But then there's this concept that, you know, is, is often talked about in hospitals. It's around this agency of record. Have you heard that term before? Agency of record? Yeah, I don't hear it as much anymore. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not paying attention or, or not looking as close. But it's almost like, you know, you're awarding business, you know, in categories to people. So you may have a traditional agency of record, a digital agency of record. A lot of people just have an agency of record. That's really who they basically, you know, hitched their wagon to for a period of time, right? Right. The people that they turn to for to fulfill a bunch of different things. So it's not just for this particular brand launch or this particular campaign that we're doing. This is an agency that you build a sort of a long-standing relationship with that you go to and you're kind of counting on them to do a little bit of everything for you, to find the right vendors, to be the right consultants as accordingly, to even become, you know, that agency to help with the execution. Yeah, I feel like that's more of like a madman error. <laughs> Probably not, but I just like to think of it that way. Let's look at something we're going to reference here, which is the third annual State of Digital Healthcare Marketing Report done by Greystone and, and Klein Partners. One of the things I guess that they asked was who helps organizations with digital and web strategies? They asked a number of hospitals. I think there was like 250 or so hospitals as part of the survey that they did. And they asked them, like, who helps? And so the first line was only in-house resources, hospitals that only use in-house resources. In 2016, that was 50%. There was a slight dip to 46% in 2017. I would assume those are big organizations too, because when you're talking about only in-hospital resources, you're talking about people that do websites and do SEO and social media. This is digital, right? So all of the digital things, which is quite a bit of different types of expertise. Contrary-wise, it could also be really small hospitals that only have a team of one. And they don't do a ton of, of digital and web. You know, it's mainly community outreach and, you know, some of those types of things. So the second one is, is a digital strategy firm. So in 2016, that was at 55%. It's dropped pretty significantly down to 41%. This is digital. So maybe a lot of organizations are like, well, we have our digital strategy in place. Now we're migrating over to the execution part of this. We don't need a strategy anymore. We need to actually get the work done. It's not only the digital strategy part that's going down. What they found in the survey, even advertising agency, a digital advertising agency has dropped. So in 2016, 51% of the people surveyed said they use an advertising agency. In 2017, it's down to 34%. That's a huge drop. And then from a digital advertising agency dropped from 44 to 34%. I'm not really sure exactly what that actually means, but it certainly seems that the trend is showing, at least from this survey that, that, that we're referring there's sort of a decline in the market around using outside help. Yeah, around utilization. What's weird, though, is like, I guess only in-house resources is also down. So I don't, I don't understand exactly then what are people doing because everything can't be down previously. If you just look at the 2017 numbers, the highest utilization is only in-house. 
followed by digital strategy, which I guess is more the consultative piece. And then in third place, you've kind of got a tie for the advertising, I guess more the traditional agency model, uh, as well as the digital agency model, both at 34%. If you just look at the, the trends in and of the years themselves, you know, we're seeing a shift from outside to inside, it looks like. But I found this other article around smaller agencies are now filling the gaps of declining agency of record models. This was an international survey on how organizations, and not just healthcare, are using agencies today. And it's showing a noticeable decline of the size of the agency that's being utilized. The first one they talk about is 66% of those that they survey is expected to use a small or medium agency in the next 12 months instead of their agency of record. So, I mean, two-thirds of the folks are looking to that small and medium-sized agency to fill those gaps. So, again, some of that probably fueled by the fact that they're hiring more expertise in-house, and so they need less overarching leadership and more subject matter expertise, maybe. And maybe part of that, too, is also being filled by individual consultants. Individual consultants, a single people, 34% of them said that they're going to start working with individual consultancies. So maybe what the blend is now, a smaller agency is with individual people to kind of help out on those areas where there's gaps. That does line up a little bit with some of the, the conversations I have with folks, which is are things like, hey, I'm looking for a good writer. It's that individual, I need them to do something very specific. They also say that 78% of those that they surveyed said that they believe specialized expertise to be more valuable to their business plan than agencies who offer a broader but shallower range of offerings. Kind of what I mentioned earlier, which is that idea that we don't need the overarching agency to lead the strategy. We're going to do that in-house. We need people to come in and be team players and, and more partners and kind of run alongside us versus... Yeah, be this big overhead. And overhead is right, right? Because this survey indicates that the majority of the reasons why they're making these changes is because of cost. Using these big agencies could be a big line item budget for them. Going more into this model where you're hiring specialized, smaller groups, smaller people, individuals even, it makes more fiscal sense, particularly if you're starting to bring that strategy in-house, particularly if you're starting to maybe you know try to internalize that expertise and get you over those humps to, to grow. You know, I'm even dealing with that right now, Reed, in, in my organization. There are a couple of, of individual people that we use as outside contractors to fill the gap as we're developing that expertise in-house. And then eventually what we'll see is a shift of, you know, that the change between bringing that more and more in-house and relying less and less on outside consultancies or people. And not to jump too far ahead, but I, I think some of this, like most things, is is a pendulum, right? And at this point in time, this is the way it's swinging. We'll see it go back the other way where there's probably more agency utilization and less FTEs. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just a hypothesis on my account. But I think that's just the way we see most of these things happen, which is a, a, an ebb and flow to some degree. You know, there's another stat here. They say that business leaders are having trouble accurately evaluating agency capabilities, negotiating contracts, and sourcing the right expertise. And, you know, that really speaks to a bigger picture of that these smaller agencies, smaller individuals are starting to fill the gaps where the agency of record of old was filling that space. And you're probably right. It's going to pendulum back. But right now, that's where it's at throughout the world, right? That they're seeing that trend. And to that end, that leads to some other things that are maybe conflating or conflicting or making this whole thing more confusing, which is consultancies are starting to move more into a space where they're acting like an agency. Interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, as a consultant, you could provide great expertise, but oftentimes then it becomes with, well, how am I going to execute on that? Yeah, but who wants to do that part? I just want to show up and be like, here's what I think, and then leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in the execution business, man. That's (laughs) That's why you're a consultant. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's why they pay me the big money. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I think historically that that's been some of the case, right? Because a lot of the consultants have done really well on the client side for some years. Therefore, they've gained this certain level of credibility or expertise of being able to execute. So they're able to flip that over 
go around and, and evangelize you know their way of thinking and then that's kind of gotten watered down over the years the the whole concept of being a consultant is starting to blur too it's not just strategy consultants are starting to add things like design user experience and customer experience projects into what they're doing and so traditionally that ux or those those user experience customer experience projects they've been really where agencies have spent that time now consultancies are starting to get into that space too and, and, and following the strategy through multiple different touch points within the organization. No pun intended on the touch point reference. I had to throw it in there. Yeah, that's no, good. <laughs> good. It makes sense, right? In terms of, of, as a consultant, you're starting to diagnose all the different the pieces of your customer journey, maybe your supply chain management, maybe your IT or tech-related stuff that you're doing. And so now you're getting into user experience, you're getting into customer experience, you're starting to get across all these different elements, and now this is starting to become a little bit like an agency. Yeah, which consultants, that's not really their wheelhouse in most cases. Again, this kind of goes back to really understanding who it is that you're hiring, who, not the individual, well, maybe the individual, but the group you're hiring and, and what their strong suit is, you know, what they're actually good at, what they can deliver on. And I think this is why we're starting to see, you know, so many, you know, kind of micro engagements uh, versus that agency of record. This is happening across all these different consultancies, though, Reed, even Accenture, or Deloitte, Mm -hmm. they're getting in the space where they're becoming more agency-like in what they're offering to their clients. It's hard to be kind of that one-trick pony. You just don't get to... Is that the second Western reference I've made? I think I said something about hitching a wagon earlier. The idea that, like, you know, you can't just do one thing anymore. You know, you've got to have a broader portfolio of expertise because you've got to try to sell complementary services to keep these engagements going. One area that consultancies still haven't cracked is in the media planning and buying space. There could be a number of reasons behind that. Uh, One of the things they credit is that fallout from the 2017 issues around transparency and fraud issues with media and Mm -hmm. media planning and media buying is clients are really starting to evaluate, should we just internalize that media planning and buying because they had so many issues with that. I think the media planning and buying is something if you can do in-house is is helpful. Uh, Not that you don't need somebody externally or in that space that knows that uh, and knows it well and knows how to do it. Uh, But you've got to be close to where brand is online, especially. But if you're running an agency and just hearing you say that, you can cringe a little bit because media planning and media buying traditionally has been a place where there's a lot of, you know, I have to say it now, a lot of margin in that, right? Um, Agencies make a lot of money there. Yeah, there there is. Absolutely. And I think there's still a need for a media planner and media buyer. I'm not saying that will ever necessarily go away. But I think you have to be closer to that as a brand than you were historically yeah, before it was you would just kind of take at face value what was recommended and you'd run with it. Now with all the digital mediums in place, you know, you said the birth of internet radio and then all, obviously all the truly online pieces, uh, even all the directories and different things like that. It, it's really important to understand you know, where that money is being spent and you know how it's reconciled. The way PPC versus uh, Facebook is, you know, the dollars work. It's not as straightforward as it used to be on when you were buying media. You were buying actual defined real estate. It was a billboard. It was these spots in this radio ad and things like that. And now you're buying personas or you're buying uh, certain keywords and things like that. And your budget only runs until it runs out. That is why consultancies are not really spending a lot of time with that. What they're instead they're doing, they're helping organizations really bring that in-house and internalize that and help them navigate that kind of trickiness of that space. Because that's ever-changing. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. 
If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. Now let's talk about it from the other perspective, looking from an agency perspective in how agencies and agency holding companies in particular are really starting to get into the consulting space. Yeah, I mean, it's all to the same end, right? It's all about, you know, how can we sell more services? And so I think the idea is like, okay, well, from an agency perspective, historically, we've, we've executed on things, built stuff, bought stuff, designed stuff, whatever. If we can recommend people buy more of this stuff, then we get to do more of this stuff, you know, or whatever, you know, and that's a little simplistic, I guess. But one of their points in here is, is that exactly that these agency company holding companies tend to work from the bottom up. So they focus on the initiatives like creative media strategy, execution, things like that. And so it's hard to do more of those things without a strategy that backs that up. Um, and that's where the consulting piece comes in. Yeah, because consultancies work from the top down, right? They look at the total business, the enterprise, theoretically, and try to help them develop an overarching strategy that can support all these different initiatives. So you're, you're looking from two ways, like you're saying. So that poses for a very interesting landscape nowadays, where you have, for if you're sitting in a hospital space, you have agencies that are acting like consultancies, consultancies that are acting like agencies. You have vendors that offer all of these consulting expertise that may or may not be added on to their product that they're selling. It makes things a little confusing, doesn't it? Well, it drives home the need to make sure that you've got a strong leadership internally. You know where you're going, you know what you're trying to do, you know if you've been successful or not. Uh, so, hey, if we run this you know, over the next year, if we do, if we do what we say we're going to do from an mar- internal marketing plan perspective, how do we know we were successful? You know, What are those goals, metrics, right. checkpoints, things like that? If you have all that, then you can get everybody to align. Then you can very quickly determine... Is this consultant pulling their weight? Is this agency doing what we need them to do? Or this vendor, is the product that they're selling us actually working? I mean, does this you know tribute to you know the overall goal? Okay, now you want to add another layer of complexity in here, Reed? Sure. AI? Exactly. It is AI. No, you're right. It's AI. <laughs> it's exactly right. Yeah, the answer is always AI. <laughs> <laughs> So AI-based media buying, or as in an episode a couple a couple months ago from Nathan David, where he was talking about machine learning, mm-hmm. that's causing a big impact now. Facebook and Google are becoming basically de facto agencies. Yeah, they're making recommendations. You go into their little ad buying widget, and you're like, I want to run this ad, and this you know, it's got the little meter over on the side that you know your audience isn't big enough. You need to target more people or whatever. And CRMs are becoming business intelligence tools. And strategic planning tools are informing about marketing strategies. And they're doing this all automatically through data sorting, predictive modeling. Technology is becoming a massive disruptor. And and will continue to be because there's really smart people that are able to use technology that's just presenting itself, AI, VR, AR, all the other fun acronyms that these agencies and, you know, maybe not consultants as much because they can adapt to the technology and that kind of thing and still make recommendations, so to speak. It's not quite that simple, but I think the agency side of the equation is the one that's really got to look around and go, wait a minute, like, how do we participate in this space? Because the vendors will use this technology in the tools and products and things like that they sell, right? The consultants can still work within that framework. I think it's the agencies that get caught in the middle. Does this replace what we offer in some way? There's a third article that we're referencing here where experts predict the future of the agency. And I have two quotes here that I think kind of address this complication. The first is about from Roland Deal, who's president of DWA Media in America. And he says, the agency model needs to change across three critical dimensions, analysis, accountability, and agility. Successful agencies will have to develop robust analytics to track, assess, and optimize their recommendations and campaigns, and that will result in full accountability. That doesn't sound like that bad of a premise, but to agencies, that's a little challenging. Yeah, now we have to be fully accountable. And data scientists. (laughs) Yeah. Again, not, not all bad. 
not all bad. That's a win for everybody. Uh, the other interesting uh, quote in here is actually from Heather Dancy. She's an associate research director at Publicis Media. She says that clients who will depend on their agencies more than ever in this complex environment of communications will require true insight that is so much more than facts and figures. Thoughtful perspective, wise advice from agencies will be needed in 2018 like never before. Yes, that's true. I think with the advent of all these new technologies, there's still the need for people to decipher that, give wise advice and guidance. Now, that needs to be backed up in some way, and that's where the facts and figures piece comes in. It's going to be important for consultants or agencies or both to really be able to give some sound advice. I think this moves us a little bit into, you know, kind of what it, this future state. I mean, like what, what does that look like? How, how do you work together? How do you become a partner versus just, you know, this outside entity? It's hard. I mean, there's some folks that I've worked with, some clients I've worked with for the better part of a decade. I predate a lot of their internal folks. The level of just, you know, historical knowledge I have, institutional knowledge I have, is maybe greater than some of their internal players. Well, that's a partner. I can provide real value around different things. How this got the way it is, why we do things the way we do it. The hospital's got to be willing to include a consultant or an agency uh, or even a vendor in those internal dialogues. Can't be the last ones to know. Hey, do we remember to tell you that we want to do X, Y? You know, so it's like, you know, am I somebody executing or are we a strategic partner? I'm not saying either one's wrong. You just need to be clear about what it is you're trying to do and what you need. You also have to be kind of forward looking. I mean, a, a person that's considered a partner is one that's also looking for where the ball is going and trying to understand where the market trends are and has maybe a broader perspective of the industry in the healthcare space. It's really important to see how other hospitals are doing things. That true elusiveness of being a, a partner, quote unquote, that's that becomes really hard in some organizations if you don't if you can't break your out of being just the vendor or the agency or the consultancy. A partner is kind of that person that you, you, you turn to for guidance around where you should be going. Understanding your organization, the culture, what you need, what your team needs, what the strengths are that you have internally versus not. It's not a one size fits all. And I think that's that's the major piece here. So maybe what you need is a consultant. Maybe what you need is a vendor. Maybe what you need is an agency. You might need all three. And you're probably going to need multiple vendors, maybe multiple consultants. But then also, you know, don't overlook the idea of like, you know, how do all these folks work together? Uh, and, and, and can they, you know, culturally work together? So you may have a consultant that's really smart and really good, but it's not play well with others. You got to determine like, is it more valuable to have that person here by themselves? Or do we need a team of people? And if so, then this person's not the right fit. You got to kind of mishmash these, these, all of these people together. And so they work together. And that's one of the big things is if you're getting partners to work together, there has to be sort of like an openness, an openness that potentially could be among competition. You could have an SEO vendor that likes to also do websites. And then a website partner that also likes to do SEO, they have to become a little bit more comfortable with working with their potential competitors. And that's a hard one because we all overlap. I mean, look at the previous articles we went through, right? I mean, consultants uh, are trying to add more agency-like services. Agencies are trying to add more consultative services. So you're going to have overlap. So you've got to really get down and have some conversations with folks that you're looking at bringing on board about um, I understand that you do this, but we have somebody else that does it, and you're never going to do this. And we know the real answer, too, is the, the minute the CEO calls and says, you know, I have a brother that does digital marketing. Oh, yeah. That's going to be your new future agency yeah. of record, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty close. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast. I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? 
That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Touchpoint. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! Okay, it's face-off time, Reed. We've been talking a lot about vendors and agencies and consultancies and partners. Talking about sort of like how confusing and muddled they're becoming and how they're kind of all doing the same sort of thing and all trying to be strategically uh, helpful to, to the clients that they work with. But the question that comes out of that is, can partners really stay in their quote unquote swim lane and be very effective? Or do they naturally need to kind of learn and grow and start to do more things because quite honestly, we're asking them to be specialists in certain things, but we're also asking them to grow and be effective. That sets up a natural tension in a, in a health system, right? Uh, it could. It could. Here's the side I'm going to come down on on this. When you hire people, you're hiring people for their expertise. And so while, yes, they may be getting paid to do this one piece, if they have expertise that is over a broader span uh, or spectrum of topics, I guess, or things to execute on. You know, I want them to weigh in on that. So if they've got a better way. I want to hear it. It's still going to be up to me, the organization, to decide if we go that direction or not. But I want them to stay quiet if they think something's a bad idea. The problem with that, Reed, is, you know, have you ever been in that that presentation where that agency is presenting that campaign for the particular service line that you're trying to do and that little SEO consultant that, you know, is hired, maybe 22 years old, pipes up from the back of the room, not even an employee, and kind of shoots a big bomb in the middle of everything. I don't think that's appropriate. You got to stay in your swim lane, my friend. You got to learn what you're doing. You got to optimize the campaign that's being put in front of you, don't you? Being rude from the back of the room and voicing your opinion in an appropriate way are probably two different things. No, I don't want you know Skippy chiming up from the back of the room while I'm trying to present. <laughs> but um, I do want you know everybody weighing in because again, it's ultimately going to come down to the client <clears throat> in my in my respect. So I mean, it's going to come down to the hospital to weigh everything that they hear and decide you know where do we go from here. Uh, there's a lot of times that I'll have conversations with folks and I'll voice my concerns and say, listen, you know, my concern around this media by recommendation or the way that they're targeting or doing this is this. Now, if y'all are okay with it and you want to go with it that way, that's fine. You know, you'll never, you know, I'm not going to say anything ever again, but you know, I'm going to make my voice heard because I feel like I'm being hired because of my expertise, whether or not I'm making the media buy or not, for example. I get that, but it also sets up these uncomfortable conversations where, and it's happened to me before, where one partner pulls me aside after a conversation. We had all the partners get together and talk about something, and they pull me aside and they say, you know what, the guy that's doing your website, I could do much better for a lot cheaper. You should give me a chance. Why don't you try it out on me? I'm the expert on this. And there's this sort of internal competition that's going on. You know, to me, that, that strikes me as a little bit false. I don't think that's professional. And, and while I understand that you want to kind of get in that space, maybe you have a better way to doing it. I don't want to be part of that uncomfortable conversation. You know what I mean? I'm less concerned with who's comfortable and just making sure that I'm providing the right counsel to you know my client. I'm not going to say it every time, right? So like if they come up with a media by recommendation that I don't agree with, I may voice some concerns. You know, I'm not going to continue to do that unless I see repetitive issues if there's like, you know, if there's poor outcomes over and over again, I may revisit it with like, hey, remember how we talked about X, Y, and Z? I, I really think that's why you're seeing this, you know, or whatever, over and over again. What I, what I don't want to do is end up in a meeting one day and somebody go, why didn't you say anything? 
I get that. Maybe you have your agency that comes in and says, oh, look, we just hired this new UX UI person and they, they did this free assessment and they actually indicated all these challenges that you have with your website. So here's what you could do with it. We could certainly help you with that if you want. I don't want that either, right? It's like you don't want to bring in this new skill sets and introduce that in in where you're particularly in a, you know, this is your role is this. I don't know the right balance here. I don't know the right answer. How do you hire people for their expertise, but allow them all to work together in a, in a holistic way. You've got to understand your organization and what, what the needs are. Uh, I've been brought in a number of times to evaluate other vendors work. It's not super comfortable, but that's just what it is. And some vendors to their credit are like, Hey man, great. I'm glad you're here. And to your point, right? If you own your strategy, you own uh, the direction within your organization because that'll help you hone and make your strategy that much more effective. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert section of our podcast. And today we're talking to a friend of the podcast um, and a frequent guest of ours, which is the illustrious Ed Bennett. Ed, how are you today? I'm fine, Chris. How are you doing? Now, Ed, a lot of people that listen in may know about you, but they may not know some of the, the new stuff that you're working on. So maybe if we could start off this interview with a little bit of background about you, your kind of your history, and then uh, a little teaser about some of the stuff that you're working on now. Well, I'm a sort of an old hand uh, uh, at the web. I've been doing web stuff since uh, like 93, 94, so uh, quite a while. Uh, spent uh, over, well, almost 20 years total in the healthcare digital space. Started at the University of Maryland back in 1999 uh, and worked with, at that organization, uh, the University of Maryland Medical Center, for uh, 17 years managing and creating and managing their digital program. And about two years ago, I left uh, the University of Maryland to become a consultant and have been working with a mixture of organizations like hospital systems and academic medical centers and so forth, and also uh, the vendors that are in the space, the uh, marketing companies, the uh, software companies, and, and consultancies that support the folks that do marketing and digital and communications uh, inside uh, healthcare organizations. And uh, about six months ago, I took on a brand new initiative, a, a new website called martech.health, uh, which is a vendor directory for our industry where folks who are looking for vendors across, uh, well, over 40 different categories of services uh, are able to come to the directory, uh, search for vendors, uh, read uh, reviews, listening to, listen to uh, podcast articles, and just kind of get a, a, good, a good sophisticated uh, research tool to make it easier uh, to find the right vendor. So from your background, you've been in the hospital space choosing partners and vendors and agencies to kind of help you with work. You've been a consultant on your own, working with these very companies, and in some cases working with them in the very thing about how they could better position themselves around, uh, you know, being a better partner. Clearly, it's, it's, a, it's a complex space, let's put it that way. What do you think some of the biggest challenges are? Well, the, the biggest challenge is, is that there's no one right answer for all healthcare organizations, obviously. The nature of the type of vendors and partners that you pick are going to vary greatly depending on what your circumstances are, uh, but this is the size of your budget, how much staff do you have to dedicate uh, to, uh, uh, to particular projects and so forth. Probably one of the first things that a hospital person or a marketing person needs to be very clear about uh, is, is what is their internal state? What is an honest assessment about what your hospital can take on themselves versus needing to uh, look to partners to uh, support and supplement what you're doing. And I think if you have a very clear idea of what your realistic resources and investment can be, uh, then you'll be in a much better position to uh, choose the right vendor. Yeah, you always got to look at yourself and look at yourself honestly in the mirror 
And I also say that, you know, not only understand your current state, but understand the future state where you want to be in order to find that right partner to to go with. And I can I can give you a, a great example of that. Uh, there was a good friend of mine uh, who I worked with oh, probably six, seven years ago, and they, they needed to select a content management system for the hospital system. And this person was the head of marketing, digital marketing for that system. I was recommending Sitecore, and my friend was very interested in Drupal. And we talked it over. And when my friend said, well, you know, I have three uh, highly talented Drupal programmers on staff at my uh, organization, I said, well, you're going to go with Drupal because uh, <laughs> that is that if you have that kind of resource, then um, the, the what minor advantages Sitecore may have over Drupal is is completely overwhelmed by the fact that you've got staff that can that can build in it. And that's the right direction for that person. I do believe, since that friend of yours was me, yes. was that, <laughs> that that's a really good example of that, right? Where you kind of map what, what you have and knowing that they were going to be part of the future state to, to really select the right technology to support that. But it was also, you know, part of that, if we could focus a little on that initiative, was that we needed someone to kind of help with a particular part of the website development process, which is uh, setting up the initial, you know, instance and, and helping us with the implementation, which was a particular type of partner, right? A service partner. It wasn't like a long-term, we didn't want to get into a long-term relationship with the developer, per se, because we had them on staff. We wanted someone to help us with implementation and, and deployment of the new website, but that sometimes gets a little cloudy when you're talking to, you know, some digital partners or what have you. Some of them say, yeah, I, I do that. Um, or they or they say, yeah, exactly. I'm an expert at that. But they're but no partner or vendor is 100 percent an expert in all things, are they? Well, unless you, you're drilling down to something very specific. Like so, for example, there are companies out there that um, all they do is optimize local listings and search engines. So whether it's the, the Google business listings or Google My Business or it's the Bing business listings, the only thing they do is make sure that those two major search engines have the right information for you. And so if you're in a situation where you've got a fantastic physician directory, you're already doing transparency with your physician profiles and everything else, scheduling is working great, but you need someone that just focuses on the, the local directory stuff, then maybe someone who just does that is the right is the right fit. On the other hand, if there's many if many of those things are up for grabs and need to be worked on, then there are other vendors that will that can step up and say, well, we, we do all six or seven pieces uh, because they all sort of relate, and that might be a better choice for you. It's true. I mean, some vendors will um, say that we, we can do, um, you know, six, seven, ten different things, uh, but you'll probably find that they're better at one thing more than another. And I know that things are blurring, in, particularly in the digital space, right? You have people that are SEO experts, but they also do SEM, and now they're getting into reputation management. Or you have someone that might be focusing on uh, chatbot technology with AI, but they're also really good at physician transparency. And, and sometimes it's a little hard to kind of make heads or tails of. Do you have any advice for those people that are kind of trying to do that? Uh, you mentioned the directory that I'm, I'm working on, uh, and uh, that is uh, that's certainly one of the things that I'm trying to address uh, with with the directory. Uh, the vendors who have a listing in there can select up to uh, ten different categories that their their firm uh, works in, but then they need to balance and, and say, well, this is this is where we focus most of our energy. This is where we do a little bit less, but we're knowledgeable. And it's the, it's the type of information that a user needs to get uh, honest feedback on. Uh, so they can say, yes, I need this vendor to do this one thing. It's really super critical. But I also need them to be knowledgeable and conversant on, in other areas. And uh, so that's something that is going to be a trade-off that you'll have to consider uh, on a vendor-by-vendor case. Now what we're talking about is, uh, I guess it's, it's vendor transparency. Maybe we can coin that term. Go ahead and trademark yes. that. Yes. Uh, you can have that one. Um, <laughs> right, we'll have that one. Okay, vendor transparency. Right. But because, I mean, this sounds like very much like what has happened to hospitals and health systems, you know, with them publishing mm -hmm. ratings and, and embracing the ratings. Yeah, and that's and that's that's another key factor of the directory I'm building, the uh, 
folks that have used those vendors, your colleagues in marketing and communications and digital teams and inside organizations can go into the vendors that they have worked with and have experience with and give feedback and ratings so that uh, you can you can hear what their experience has been. I've seen, you know, I mean, I've seen this as I've gone to conferences over the years, uh, as I've participated in some of the forums that are out there uh, that folks are, I'm sure, are aware of. Folks are constantly asking um, for feedback from their, their peers on what vendors have used, what have been good, what have been bad. I know that feeling. I, it's so often, you and I have t- talked about this over the years, you know, like reaching out to, uh, you know, to each other saying, hey, do you know someone good here? Do you know someone good here? The, the other thing, though, is now let's, let's flip, let's take our, our hospital provider hat off and let's put on the hat of the vendor one of the things that's really really challenging for the vendor is how do they start to you know develop that relationship uh, where it, they're seen as more than a vendor, they're now seen as a partner. The advice I would give vendors uh, who want to become a better partner is to uh, constantly be educating. The folks that are purchasing, uh, that are that are setting up a partnership with you for you to help them with whatever projects or, or initiatives that they have in place, uh, they're extremely busy. They are focused on uh, lots of different areas and have lots of different responsibilities. And it's really your job to make sure that if anything is changing or new or would impact the success of the type of program that you're working on together, uh, it's your job to make sure they're aware of it, they're educated, and they have the the background information and the context of why this stuff matters. They're going to be relying on you for that. And the better you are at doing that, whether it's... uh, podcast or uh, articles or newsletters, you're, you're doing that to keep them informed about uh, uh, what's happening in, in the industry. It's thought leadership, really, content, but also becoming sort of like a domain expert on, your, on what you do, staying on top of the trends and really be that third party resource that can be out there keeping an eye on what's going on with other health systems or other, you know, uh, what's what's maybe a new technology that might be coming in that they've been looking at because they see an impact and setting kind of that big strategic vision. I, I get that totally. But that's sometimes hard for for these people to do, right? Because in many cases, they're brought in as a as a vendor, and then they never can really leave their swim lane, so to speak. Right? They're always seen as like you're just the SEO guy. That's part of it. I also think that the the vendors are already the um, the experts, the the uh, thought leaders in whatever their particular niche is that they 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 work in, and it's so the knowledge is there. The uh, being staying on top of trends and the latest news, they're doing that already. And many times it's just getting organized so that you, you have a regular scheduled brain dump of, of that information in a way that it makes sense that to that healthcare audience you're, you're talking to. So it could be that you, you schedule you know blog posts or podcast or, or white paper every quarter. Uh, you work with a good writer, you come up with the topics, maybe work with some of your best clients to, to figure out what those topics should be and, uh, and get that produced. And really what you're talking about is differentiating from, you know, other vendors, being more strategic, obviously doing the results too, right? I mean, doing the work, you need to do that. You need to do that well too. Let's pivot that towards talking a little bit about your director because it apparently, because that directory can help with this, right? Yes, very much. The, uh, the directory is um, launching with over 400 uh, vendors in it. The listings that the vendors can get is, in fact, I want to stop using the word listing because a listing to me is something where I see the name of the company and maybe a paragraph of information about them. What the vendors can do on the martech.health vendor directory is have a, a very deep and rich profile. Uh, in fact, they actually have their own web page uh, with lots of content, uh, HTML markup uh, content. Uh, also things like embedded uh, YouTube videos, uh, presentations, maybe f- embedded from uh, SlideShare, uh, white papers, and uh, blog articles. A, a very deep, rich, uh, essentially mini website that can be built on this platform. Uh, so a, a vendor who wants a listing or of a profile uh, could have, have it be very simple with just the, just the basic information or make it as rich and, uh, and uh, diverse as they want to. And those are going to be the tools that I believe uh, I, I'm positioning this as a research tool. 
that if you're a marketing person or on a digital team at a, at a hospital, uh, you're going to come to this directory because you have a big project in place and you need to start doing research on both the landscape of what, what's out there, uh, who the vendors are, and then get the education by reading through the, the articles and listening, uh, watching videos uh, to keep up to speed about what the latest trends in the industry are for that particular uh, type of service. The balance of having the, the honest, uh, phys- uh, trans- transparent vendor uh, type of information along with uh, rich tools for uh, a hospital person to use is going to be, uh, be a good match. I mean, this very much parallels what hospitals have been doing with uh, trying to help patients make the right selection for the right type of doctor, right? The physician transparency has been a topic that uh, has been around now for two, three years, and we're seeing much more uptick of that. Uh, now it's become commonplace. Uh, physicians, of course, were look at, looked askance at it at first, but I believe it's com- becoming more common. The patients certainly like it. Uh, it's certainly something we've seen in just about every other facet of the online world from Yelp to Amazon reviews and, and, and many, many more. Uh, this is now, this directory is a very specialized niche. So it's just for the hosp- healthcare, um, marketing, communications, and digital teams. Essentially, the folks that show up at ShishMed or the Healthcare Strategy Conference or the, uh, uh, the Greystone Internet uh, Health Conference, uh, those folks. So you're going to be launching this, this martech.health directory at the Forum for Healthcare Strategist Conference. Is that right, Ed? Uh, that's right. This was right around the time I expected the site would be ready to go live. The good folks at Dot .health are going to uh, be sponsoring me for a launch party at, at the conference. That's going to be uh, on Tuesday, uh, May 1st. It'll be very exciting. So until then, is there a way that people can sign up to be an early member of the site? Or how would they do that? If you go to martech.health right now, there is a pre-registration page. Uh, if you're interested in having a listing or a profile on the directory, or if you just want to be a general user, just be able to come in and, 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 use, the, and use the directory. Awesome. Well, Ed, thanks so much for all your expertise around the challenging effort of really trying to select the right partner, the right vendor for you, and on the flip side, providing your insight on that. And lastly, for uh, developing that great tool. Uh, for for people to help with this particular challenge. Look forward to seeing everybody on May 1st. All right, wrapping up this episode, episode 62, where we had a good interview with our good friend, friend of the podcast, Ed Bennett. Yes. He shared some of his expertise around uh, vendors and partners, and we went into it a little bit heavy too as well, Reed. Interesting topic, and there's... Again, not a super right or wrong answer. Um, it really comes down to individual situations. So, we want to remind people before we jump into what we're going to be doing next that you can learn, you can hear about us, but also some other podcasts out there on touchpoint.health. We have a couple of episodes, as we said at the top of the show, to check out, get, jump out there and give it a quick listen. Absolutely. So before we get to recommendations, a uh, quick plug. Uh, as you're listening to this, I'm probably on an airplane. But anyway, I'm in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, this week at the Hospital Association of Pennsylvania. So hopefully you'd see some friendly faces there. And then also you've got a webinar this week as people are, as this episode comes out, you'll be doing a webinar, right? The day of the episode release on the 11th, I'll be doing a uh, webinar for Shishmid, sponsored by our good friends at Binary Fountain. I'll be presenting some information along with uh, two other co-hosts that are talking about the digital front door. And then we will jointly be at the Forums for Healthcare Strategist in Salt Lake City. Uh, The end of this month, uh, like literally the very end of this month, in first couple of days of May, I believe that is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of that week, ending on uh, us giving a presentation. I believe it's on May the 2nd, if I have my days right. Uh, We'll be doing a presentation and kind of a workshop on podcasting. So if you're coming to the forums, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, love to have you join our uh, workshop, special workshop there on uh, that Wednesday. What do you have this week? 
read, I'm going to recommend something that a lot of people in the digital space may uh, are familiar with. Maybe not, but it's a website called Alexa, alexa.com. And if you're listening at home, I didn't mean the Echo device that probably started there in the background uh, when you heard us say Alexa, but alexa.com, which is an online tool to help you to track your Google Analytics. And also it allows you to compare other websites to one another using uh, some of their proprietary algorithm. Have you ever used Alexa before? Yeah, a little bit. I've toyed around with it, uh, especially doing like digital audits and things like that for clients to try to get some some insights and things like that. Yeah, it's a great site. One of the best tools that's out there. Now, it carries a cost, a pretty significant cost. But if you're interested in going down that space, I recommend jumping out to it. Uh, And you get 30 days for free. Can't beat that. Trying something out for 30 days, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, uh, great suggestion. So always good to be smart and have more, uh, more insights. Uh, I'm going a little different direction. Mine's a little more tactical. Like literally, you can put it in your pocket uh, because it's a, because it's a wallet. I got this. My 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 dad actually got me this for Christmas. Uh, it is called the Ridge Wallet. Uh, R-I-D-G-E. So it's ridgewallet.com. And and I like, you know, things that are minimal. I don't carry a lot. I carry just maybe two or three, actually about four cards in my wallet, including my driver's license, debit card, business credit card. That's about it. And uh, this is a great little device. It expands and contracts based on how many cards you put in it. Uh, you can get different attachments to the back side, maybe like a money clip or just a band that, to maybe hold business cards and things like that. And you can get it in different finishes. So they've got everything from carbon fiber to titanium, uh, aluminum, et cetera, in different colors. And so it's really cool. It's a neat little uh, wallet. One of the interesting things about it is it's uh, RFID safe. It, you mean it won't get zapped? Yeah, exactly. They got a few other things on their website, some phone cases and battery backup type things and stuff like that. But specifically, I'm recommending uh, the Ridge Wallet. What a big difference in our recommendations, Reed. I'm feeling like I need to go really low key and maybe recommend screen wipes or something, you know, shoe shining equipment or something next time around. You should, like some sort of steampunk, um, like doorbell or something. Well, that's coming now that we have a we bought a house. You, uh, you better believe I'm going to start. I'm going to start recommending household equipment pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, LED light bulbs, <laughs> things like that. So good, awesome. Well, good episode as always. Uh, please go out, rate, review us on iTunes, subscribe, let others know about the show. We love hearing from you on LinkedIn, Twitter, and all the. Uh, good places on the interweb visit touchpoint.health for all the new shows and all the back episodes and for chris boyer i'm reed smith and we'll see you next week